0: Many of us hope that our lives will leave a lasting legacy of love behind when we're gone. But what does that actually look like? What do we want people to say about us, say, at our funeral? And will they be able to say those things given the way we're living our lives today? Hmm? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Great to be back with you again. Today we're going to take a bit of a look at your priorities from a different perspective to share something with you today that changed my life. It was the turning point for me from a life of complete selfishness and self-indulgence to a life of doing the best I can with who I am and what I have to try and serve others. When I read this short passage that I'm about to read to you now, my whole world caved in because I knew, I knew beyond any shadow of a doubt that my life was on the wrong track. You may have heard of the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. It's been a bestseller for many years. I read it back in the early to mid-90s, at a time when I was on a self-improvement binge. And it was habit number two in that book that brought me unstuck. Have a listen to what Stephen Covey writes. In your mind's eye, see yourself going to the funeral of a loved one. Picture yourself driving to the funeral parlour or the chapel, parking the car and getting out. As you walk inside the building, you notice the flowers, the soft organ music. You see the faces of friends and family you pass along the way. You feel the shared sorrow of losing, the joy of having known, that radiates from the hearts of the people there. As you walk down to the front of the room and look inside the casket, you suddenly come face to face with yourself. This is your funeral three years from today. All these people have come to honour you, to express feelings of love and appreciation for your life. As you take a seat and wait for the service to begin, you look at the program in your hand, there are to be four speakers. The first is from your family, immediate and also extended, children, brothers, sisters, nephews, nieces, aunts, uncles, cousins and grandparents who have come from all over the country to attend. The second speaker is one of your friends, someone who can give a sense of what you were as a person. The third speaker is from your work or your profession, and the fourth speaker is from your church or some other community organisation where you've been involved in service. Now think deeply. What would you like each of these speakers to say about your life? What kind of husband or wife, father or mother, would you like their words to reflect? What kind of son or daughter or cousin? What kind of friend? What kind of working associate? What character would you like them to have seen in you? What contributions, what achievements would you want them to remember? Look carefully at the people around you. What difference would you like to have made in their lives? And Covey then goes on to make this point. He says, The end of your life is in fact the best frame of reference or the criterion by which everything else is examined. By keeping that end clearly in mind, you can make certain that whatever you do on any particular day doesn't violate the criteria you've defined as being supremely important, and that each day of your life contributes in a meaningful way to the vision that you have for your life as a whole. To begin with the end in mind means to start with a clear understanding of your destination. When I read those words for the first time a couple of decades ago, I wept. I I wept for a few days actually because I realised that my whole life focused as it was on myself was going to amount to nothing I realised that the people at the funeral would not be able to say the things about me that I would really have wanted them to say I was in my mid-thirties at the time outwardly successful but at this turning point in my life I realised that all the things I'd been doing up to that point simply hadn't contributed to the outcomes that in my heart of hearts I truly wanted And the outcome that matters at the end is to have lived a life that will leave a lasting legacy of love. And I simply wasn't doing the things that were going to achieve that sort of an outcome. I imagined that people would struggle to say anything good about me at all at my funeral, not because I'd wasted my life, I wasn't a failure, I was a success, but because the things I'd been doing day after day hadn't been speaking love and showing love into the lives of others. One realization, as devastating as it was, was the starting point for a completely changed life. Not a perfect life by any means, but a complete change in focus, a complete change of direction, a decision to turn my life around and focus on doing things for others, and inside doing, discovering the fulfillment and the contentment that thus far had completely eluded me. Some of you are thinking, Bernie, how could you have missed these things? They're so important. And my answer would be because I, like so many other people on this planet, had swallowed the lie that to be happy, you had to accumulate lots of stuff. I was simply being successful at the wrong things. Things that at my funeral weren't going to matter a toss. Friend, as we chat today and over the coming days about living the sort of life that will leave a lasting legacy of love in the people around you, I want to ask you Have you really decided what is truly, truly important in your life? Is it getting the next promotion at the place where you work or making sure your children are getting enough time with you? Is it buying the next trinket or bauble that you can't afford or being part of changing the people around you for good? When those people get up and speak at your funeral, will they be able to say the sorts of things that you would really, in your heart of hearts, like them to be able to say? Or will they be struggling to find something nice to say about you at all? Maybe it's time for you to sit down quietly on your own over the next day or two and write down the sorts of things you would like those people to say at your funeral and then ask yourself, am I living that life? Am I doing the things that will lead them to say those things? It's kind of a gap analysis of what's really important to you against how you're actually living your life. Beginning with the end in mind, doing that exercise seriously, is in fact one of the most powerful things that you can do. I can honestly tell you, it's one of the two or three things that I've done in my life that have brought the greatest turnaround that I've ever experienced. Beginning with the end in mind. Now interestingly, Stephen Covey, who wrote that stuff, is a Mormon, so his theology and my theology are miles apart. That's an understatement. But at the end of the last chapter of that book, which can, I guess, be described as a self-help book, in a section that he calls a personal note, he says this, I believe that there are parts to human nature that cannot be reached by either legislation or education, but that require the power of God to deal with. I believe that as human beings we cannot perfect ourselves. And my friend, as great as the other parts of his book are, That one sentence unlocked the door to change and transformation in my life. Over the coming months after I read this, it caused me to seek out a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came so that I might have life in all its abundance. Like Covey, I will freely admit that there are still many things that I struggle with in life. But through each victory, through each negative emotion dealt with, through each new act of service that I have learned and am learning, I've discovered the truth of that one sentence that Covey wrote at the end of his book. Ultimately, we ourselves are powerless to change. Jesus said this to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. with everything that I am as I speak to you today, I can tell you that without that power, the power of the Holy Spirit who was given to me the moment I put my trust in Jesus, there would have been no change, no change at all. The power to change, the power to live the life we want to live is only found in one place. Jesus. Jesus. Sharing the gospel with as many people as possible so they can experience a real and tangible relationship with God. So, before I go, I'd like to tell you about our free daily devotional to help you be all that God made you to be. It's called Fresh. Each day you'll receive a powerful scripture verse together with some words of inspiration, hope, and encouragement. And the best news is that it's completely free and delivered right to your inbox each and every day, where you can choose to read, listen, or even watch the daily video. It's completely up to you. It's God's Word fresh for you each day. To receive your free devotional, just jump onto the website freshdevotional.org. You'll see the Fresh e-devotional sign up right there for you. As a bonus, I'll also send you a free copy of my e-book, How Can I Hear God Speak to Me? So head across to the website and sign up to receive Fresh. I pray that your heart will be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through his word. That web address again, in case you missed it, is freshdevotional.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again same time tomorrow with a different perspective.